This episode is made possible by PwC. It's getting hot out here. Moving the mercury can help move your business. PwC helps turn sustainability theory into real-world action. Reduce your carbon footprint while increasing transparency in net zero commitments. Start with reporting to identify your climate risks and reinvent your business. Create a more sustainable business and a stronger planet. It's all part of the new equation. Learn more at thenewequation.com. I was always thinking my talent will be enough. But it's not enough. And now I'm thinking, why you don't work more? Why? I was stupid. Hello and welcome to Beyond the Grid with me, Tom Clarkson. My guest this week is a French Formula One legend, a super fast driver who's synonymous with Ligier, having spent nine seasons racing for Les Bleus, but he also raced for Williams and enjoyed much success. His name? Jacques Lafitte. Jacques was one of the sport's great characters of the 70s and 80s. Mischief was never far away. But don't let that take anything away from his raw speed. On his day, no one was faster than Jacques, and he won six races, took seven pole positions and 32 podiums. He got his F1 break with Frank Williams in 1974, and incredibly, he finished on the podium at the Nürburgring Nordschleifer just one year later. He then swapped allegiance to Ligier for 1976, and there began a partnership that proved unbreakable. Guy Ligier and Jacques were like two peas in a pod, and they didn't only represent Ligier in Formula One, they represented France. The high watermark in their relationship came at the start of 1979, when Jacques won the opening two races of the season. He could and should have challenged for the world title that year, but the pace of the JS11 dropped off and Jacques finished fourth overall, 15 points behind world champion Jody Schechter. Ligier were quick in 1981 as well, but there was still no world title, and Jacques returned to Williams for a second stint in 1983, before seeing out his career at his spiritual home of Ligier. But Jacques was much more than just a racing driver. He was a lover of life, and his fishing rod, tennis racket and golf clubs were never far away. He even showed up in the paddock at Dallas in 1984, wearing his pyjamas, more of which you'll hear about later on in the podcast. A more colourful character would be hard to find, and Jacques lost none of that vavavoom even at the age of 77. We talk about the highs and the lows of his career, and everything in between, and he's unbelievably honest in his observations. Now, he tells us right at the start that his English isn't good, but it's more than good enough to understand his wonderful story. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Jacques, it's lovely to have you on the show. Thank you for your time. First of all, how are you? Where are you in the world? Je suis à Paris. Je vais très bien, je suis en bonne santé, I'm a good health, I'm living near Paris, 40 km Paris, Montfort-la-Maurie, in France, in the 78. Oh, it sounds lovely. And uh, how is your English these days, Jacques? It's a big shit. <laughs> it's always shit. <laughs> really, really. No, you know, it's difficult for me to speak English, to explain exactly what to ask, because it's... I have not all the words in my vocabulary to, to answer very well. You're sounding 
perfect, Jacques. Yeah, yeah, thank you, thank you. You're near Paris. I am in Paul Ricard. You must have some very happy memories of Ricard. Ricard, I won my second race in Formula Renault in 71, a long time ago. And I, I was, I do some Grand Prix here. I was in pole position in 1980 with Didier Pironi, like my teammate. And I have a good memory. The only thing was bad for me. It will be a big pleasure for me to win this French Grand Prix, but unfortunately, I finished third. <laughs> you got third in 1980, yeah. right? Yeah. Jacques, it's 35 years, would you believe it, since you retired from Formula One. How do you reflect on your career? Really, I'm happy with my career. I have no regrets, but it will be fantastic if I can be world champion with Guy Ligier, with the mechanics and all the team, because we work very hard, long time with Guy and with all the people, the team. And unfortunately, I think I was not working enough. I remember all the Formula One champions are people working very hard during the day. Me, I was going to play golf, play tennis, and I, I was... <laughs> no, no, really, I think it's my... If I have something to regret, is maybe I, I, I need to work much more with the team. Talking about your commitment to your team, did Formula One consume you in the way that it did other drivers? I remember Carlos Reutemann saying that he used to put a helmet at the end of his bed so that the first thing he thought about in the morning was Formula One. When you weren't at a racetrack, did you think about Formula One? Yes, not enough. <laughs> you know, since uh, Thursday until Sunday, you must be concentrated on, your, on what you are doing for the weekend. But uh, me, if, if you know, we have a meeting after the practice, and after one hour, I, I had enough to stay there. And I said to the team, OK, I'm going to play golf and I come back tonight and I come back tonight and I said, when the mechanics saw me, they said, okay, what we need to change again? Because when I was playing golf, I was thinking about my uh, practice, you know, and some, suddenly something arrived. I said, man, I, I forgot to tell them that I want this suspension. So I come back and the mechanics say, okay, what we are going to do for the night? I said, this and this. Is. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> what did your team principals say about you always being on the golf course. What did Guy Ligier say? Did he mind you going away? I was so well with the team and with Guy, and uh, it authorized me to do something that was not good for the team, you know. But I, I was nearly sure that I have no problem with Guy. Let's talk some more about Ligier. You're synonymous with that team. You race for them for nine seasons. Did you have opportunities elsewhere or can you just explain your loyalty to Ligier? Well, I won my first Grand Prix with Guy Ligier in 77 in Sweden and uh, I stay on this team because it was a French team. We have a lot of popularity in France. I have a good friendship with Guy. I have no pressure about, the, about him, you know, and I don't see when I go to Frank, for example, it was completely different. It's a good team. I love Frank. But uh, it was much more difficult for me to do what I want on this team. He was a hard taskmaster. But... Yeah, yeah. You know, I stayed six years in, in England because I was driving for Frank. And I, I was saying to everybody, English and England is a fantastic country. I was so happy to be there. And it was a little bit not so good with Frank because Frank is a guy 
meant very hard, but he, he was so difficult when I was with him in 70, 1975 and 74 that when I arrived in 83, I go with him only to have the turbo engine because I was sure if, if Ligi has no engine turbo, it was impossible for me to, to win a race. So I, I signed with uh, Frank, only, only, not only for that, but he was world champion with the AKK in 82. So it was a good team for me, but I was really disappointed to be there for two years. It was strange. It was strange. Jacques, what were the main differences between Williams and Ligier? One point, another point. In English team, it's threat. You can do that and that and you do it. But with Guy, we can change the, the setting of the car from Monday to, to Wednesday. We decide to, to have this opportunity to try. And when I arrive on the track, I say, but where? We decide this. Ah, but no, we decide another thing, but nobody tell me. With Frank, it was always straight and no problem. We, they decide to do that, we do that, you know. Even if, if it's no good, we do it anyway. From a racing team point of view, was the French mentality better or the English mentality? English, no no problem. I'm sure of that. What, why? It's difficult for me to say in English, but the difference, in France, we are uh, light, you know. We are, okay, we, play, we do that, uh, we smile too. With Frank, with the team English, we decide, I tell you something, when I was testing in 83, when I come back to the first test in Imola, I arrived the, with a plane. There is a lot of uh, cloud. It was impossible to, to land at Bologne. So we wait one hour to turn and suddenly they said, okay, you can uh, land. And I arrived to the team. I opened the little door behind the team and there is, when I entered, it was like that. All the teams, uh, voilà, that's the difference, you know. I was okay with that. <laughs> Frank told me once that you were always late. Is there any truth to that? No, it's very, yes, it's, it's right, but not always. Sometimes I was on the team and I was behind a, a wall and, and Frank was on the wall and was waiting, saying, where is Jacques, where is Jacques? I was there, ready, helmet, and at the end, immediately when the, they start, uh, they give the... Good <laughs> night. Hop, I jump on the car. You know, Frank will fuck you, you know. But no, I have a good time with Frank and Patrick Ed, really, on the team. But I think it's better to think like that. That you say, with Frank, I will do that. I will know. I do what I can. And, do, and, and the team do what they can for me. Not always correct, but it was okay. I'm not complaining. Your two stints with Williams were 10 years apart, weren't they? Frank gave you your chance in Formula One in 74 and then in 75, and then you returned to the team in 83. How different was the team in 83? How much had it changed? But there is more money. <laughs> there is, you know, I was never paid by Frank. I, I don't ask anything. I was, and I stayed between 75 and 83 was, Huge, enorme, enorme difference. Enorme, enorme. It was a real team with a chef, with an engineer, with money, with... A... No, no, Formula One changed so quickly, so... Did you just say Frank never paid you in 74 or 75? Yeah, but I, I was okay because uh, I was in Formula Two. I take some money from Formula Two and Le Mans and everything, so I, I, I don't need money, but it was not my first interest to earn money. It was my interest but to go in Formula 1, to try to have the best team with me. Even if I was not paid, it was not a big problem at the, on this time. 
today it was certainly completely different. I get the impression that you enjoyed winding Frank up because do you remember Dallas 84 when you turned up in the paddock for practice in your pyjamas? Yes, yes. <laughs> what did he say to that? <laughs> he was upset. <laughs> All the team was upset. You have to explain the story. What time was practice that day? Uh, I passed six o'clock in the morning, 6.30. The track was too, too hot and we, the tires had big problems. So they, they decided to do this and I said with Alain, I said, what can I do? So I go to the shop and I asked for the pyjamas, uh, bonnet like that. And I came with a golf cart to the team and I was uh, voilà. And what about Patrick? I'm trying to imagine what he would have said. I don't remember what he said. I tell you that I remember that they were completely upset. But I think more Frank than Patrick. Yeah. I think, but I don't remember so well. It's so so long time ago. That second stint at Williams, 83-84, was the Honda Turbo. It was the early days of the turbo engine, wasn't it? What was it like to drive? We have the turbo in 84. I, I don't test before and I, I, I go to sign with Frank because they have the turbo engine and I knew that Guilliger will not have it before two years. So I, I was thinking uh, when Frank asked me to drive, I said, okay, because I knew they have the turbo for 84. But unfortunately, I do the, all the year in 84 with the turbo, sometimes less than KK on the pressure, less. And uh, I have many, many races on my engine, boom as a problem. So I, 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 I was the test driver for, for Honda. <laughs> but but I, don't, I don't care. Huh? Was, I accept it because it was like that. I don't, I don't care. And what about Keke? How quick was he that year? Uh, you know, he was quick, Keke, no way. You know, what's strange with Keke and on the team, my engineer was uh, Patrick Ed, who is my engineer? I don't remember the name. We are talking on the motorhome, each side, one side left with uh, Patrick and uh, Keke, and me, I was with on the right with my engineer. And we never talked together. You know, I was speaking with my engineer, but never with Keke. And, uh, why? Why? I don't know why. First of all, because my English was shit, like today. Worst, uh, worst you can imagine what, what it was in 83, but anyway, partage of uh, problem. We don't speak too much together. Even with Keke. I like Keke, he's a good guy. Uh, really, we have a good friendship after, but in 84, it was difficult for me. It was born out of competitiveness. He didn't want to give anything to you. Is that what, is that what it was? I, I think, you know, when you say, when you go on a team, you say we are the same level than the other team, the other driver. But I'm sure I have not the same engine and same things as Keke. I knew because my engineer... But this engine, in, for example, in 83 with the Ford engine, when I asked my engineer to change my engine, no, this engine is not quicker than the other. And I have an engine shit, you know, really shit. But uh, what can I say? Frank decided, I said, okay, I tried to do my best with what I have. But it was difficult, really. I don't remember, I remember very well these two years. It was not bad years for me, but about my competitivity too, it was really low and it, I don't care, but evidently I have not the same car and the same engine that KK. I'm sure of that. Well, look, let's talk about some of your other teammates. Were you the kind of driver who could be friends with a teammate? Okay, Rosberg didn't want to be, but did you have friends who were teammates? I will tell you something. I have friends with all the French drivers. 
have night together, dinner, lunch, and, and soon they are, they are on the team with me, we separate immediately. There is a competition and to be better, it's better to go out of your friendship with, with Patrick Depalier, with Pironi, with Jabouille, with Fever, it makes a difference. With Patrick, for example, in 78, we are all travel in the world together and too, and when soon we are in the same team. Just so competitive, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. That's normal. That I can kill him if I want. This is the smell of the leftover tuna fish sandwich you left in your lunchbox over the weekend in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag. Hefty, hefty, hefty! Ah, <sighs> smell the difference? Hefty Ultra Strong has Arm & Hammer with continuous odor control, so no matter what's inside your trash... Hmm. You can stay one step ahead of Stinky. And for bigger jobs, try the superior strength of hefty large black bags. This episode is made possible by PwC. When unprecedented times are all the time, it's time to start walking the talk. Leaders like you turn to PwC to see and stay ahead. Upskill your workforce, use intelligent automation, and transform big ideas into breakthrough outcomes. Explore the human-led, tech-powered solutions that help you thrive. It's all part of The New Equation. Learn more at thenewequation.com. Jacques, the 70s and 80s was a real purple patch for French racing drivers. There was a dozen really quick drivers. Can you just describe the vibe among you back then? How much fun did you have? And why were there so many of you? How had you all got through to Formula One at the same time? I think uh, Elf, Renault, Alpine, uh, BP, pay for, for Formula France, Formula 2, Formula 3. And there are a lot of young drivers arriving with a driving school in Winfield. You have a driving school in Paul Ricard. You have a driving school in Nogaro. You have a driving school in Le Mans. So you have many young and talented drivers arriving. And, and you have the money. When the Frank uh, asked me to drive in 74, he was thinking, we will pay for him. The Count the Zanon give me two engines and uh, many things like that. But, but we are talented because you, you have the formation before and after us, it was a Spanish driver, uh, after a German driver, you know, the Italian driver, Susan Lee arrived. We turned like that. We are there and now we are there and now we start to, with Gasly, Ocon, and we start to be a little bit better. Who was the fastest teammate you ever had? Didier Pironi. He was not only quick, he was also, he was more political than me, you know, and he's enough importance in Formula One to be a little bit political. Like that, me, I was, I don't care. I go my way. But he was so quick. And not just in his team either. Do you remember he got involved with the driver's strike? Yeah, yeah. He was a yeah. spokesperson. What I said to you, he was, he was more political than me. Well, Jacques, while you were playing golf or on the tennis court, was Didier staying behind with the team? Yes. What? Yeah, that's, that's normal. I mean, but I don't like to do that. But he, he was, uh, yes, he, he was exactly that. But I was enough quick. Even if I don't go to for two or three hours to discuss with my engineer, I go. Alors, I was thinking very often about this. And I said, maybe when you are talented, you have talent. You know, I start to drive at 25 years old. I never drive before. And I have certainly a good uh, talent. I was always thinking my talent is, will be enough. But it's not enough. I remember, now I'm thinking 
Why you don't work more? Why? I was stupid. Why did you don't tell me stays there two hours more to work? It's funny, isn't it, that 35 years later, you're thinking, if only I'd done more. And I find it interesting that you weren't thinking that at the time. Because I'm a little boy and grow up very slowly. <laughs> and now I think, because I'm old, I, see, I have time to think because I play less golf, less tennis, less bicycle, less ski and everything. So I stay a lot in my car or in my bed and say, see, what? You, I was stupid or not. And I was a little bit stupid, but maybe it's for that I was quick also, you know, it's difficult to complain about that. As you say, you didn't start racing until you were 25. Had you started, let's say, 10 years earlier, do you think you would have been a better racing driver? No. If I started to drive before, no, no. I don't think so. I was young enough to, to when I was 31 years old, when I was in Formula One for the first time, I was old for the team manager, hein, I mean, but uh, for me, you know, I was young. You know, I stay until 43 years old. So if I was not have an accident, maybe I have, I have two or three more seasons with uh, Guy or some another team, I hope. But no, no, I, I think, uh, no, 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 it changed nothing. First of all, because uh, there is no cart when I was uh, 25 years old. There is cart, but it uh, was not the, à, à la mode. À la mode. I mean, I, today, I saw a reportage about Verstappen, uh, and he was racing at four and a half years old. It means when, you, when I start racing, you, you will have 18 years more than me about racing. So how, how I can compete with him? It's impossible. So while the young guys today are karting from the age of four, what were you doing until you were 25? Were you doing sport or were you doing a completely different job? No, I, I was following Jean-Pierre Jabouy on all, all this race in R8 Gordini uh, Formula 3. I, I met a guy, he said, well, you are, you are not racing drivers because I have no money. He said, ah, OK, he was, this guy, I help him to go to Le Mans and he has a car driving by Jabouy. And I have, and he said, OK, I will buy you uh, Formula France. To, to race and I say, well, if you want. And in this, this same year, he said, I'm going to do the driving school in Manicourt. You must come with me. I say, oh, why? Finally, they said, we are going to the Ferrari, with my Ferrari and you will drive, drive, drive the car. I say, okay, I come. And at the end of the session, I have a car, Formula 3, Winfield, to start. It was really simple. I don't ask anymore. You know, it was... And... As soon as you drove a single-seater for the first time, that was it for you, was it? You then knew what you wanted to do. You know, my first three laps in Manicourt with the Lotus, at the time, it was a very wide car. Anyway, and I stopped after three laps. I think it was Tico Martino or Simon de Lotour. I don't, I don't like it at all. I say, Jacques, you must drive a little bit more because you do only three laps. And finally, I, I, I go to the final. And uh, if I can tell you something about the final, maybe you know, I have a big shoes and I forgot to put my, before the test, to put my uh, racing shoes. It was the name of the shoes was Clark. You remember this Clark? Maybe not, you are too young. But anyway, when I break, I go and I touch the accelerator with my foot and, and arrive in the turn. And I, I, I turn the wheel very quickly and I go like that flat, whoop, and the people say, Jack is so quick. But 
but I, I don't say it's just because I have big shoes. <laughs> no, uh, voilà. <laughs> what a great story. But once you'd done that, did you get the racing bug or was it, were you still the reluctant racing driver? No, I, I was not, in, I was 25 years old. I have a girlfriend, my first wife, I have two or two, two children with her. And I say, I am 25. It's time to do something, to earn money. And I say, when I finish the school, I say, it seems I, be, I am good on this, so I will go on, and I will go on. Voilà. My idea was that. But I never think when I was 18 years, 16 years old, five years old, to be a racing driver. It was impossible for me. I have no money. I say, how oh, can I do you must, in, in the year of 60, 70, you need money to buy a car. And this money comes... Not a lot of sponsors, so you come from your family or a big uh, rich friend or something like that. So my interest was Jabouille. I was following Jabouille, but Jabouille has enough money to buy his car. I don't think about it, never. Except when I finished the racing school, I was second behind Salomon. I said, yeah, I think I'm good on this, but I will go. And, and, and I started and said, well, I will try. And then you motor through the ranks. And as we've discussed, you make your debut with Williams at the Nürburgring in 1974. How did that opportunity come about with Frank? When I, I was, uh, I won the race in uh, Salzburg in Formula 2 and Frank called me and said, Jacques, please could you drive my car in the French Grand Prix? I said, oh, well, why, why, why not? But before that, I asked, I go to see Tico Martini with the picture of the car and everything. And Frank and uh, Tico said, we uh, ask us to have a test in England with uh, Arturo Merzalo was driving the, the, the car. It was in uh, Goodwood with a fast corner. And so I, I, I said to Frank, Arturo will go. He makes the time. And me, if I'm not too far from this time, I will come. And I don't remember the time, but I go with the nice, with tires and everything. I say, okay, it's okay, you look good. And I say, okay, I'm going to the Nürburgring. Nürburgring, yeah, 23 kilometers. I did uh, five, six laps with, uh, with uh, Henri Pescarolo. What, sat next to him? To, exactly. To see, uh, how I say, yeah, it's flat, but you must think about this, uh, these trees. You must go straight on the tree. If not, you go out and you jump up and you tombe. Uh, and you fall like that. And after Saturday night, after that, look, I do. I was trying to eat, and I cannot open my mouth. So you couldn't open your mouth because they, you were so tense. So tense, yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. Wow. Was, ah, ah, merde, merde, shit, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> now, unfortunately, your race at the Nürburgring only lasted, what was it, two laps because you had a suspension issue. Yes, yes. But what impression did Formula One make on you that first weekend? I was so happy to be in Formula One, but the car was, I cannot say if the car was good or bad because I have no experience. The only thing I, I do my best with this car. And I was 30, 13 or 14 to the practice, not far from Arturo. And I was not happy with that, but I, I start, so I see the first race in the, certainly the worst track for a young driver like me in Formula One. And I did my job. What a place to make your debut. Yeah, yeah. it was, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's incredible. But I, I, I think uh, it was okay. I had no accident and it was okay. And after, but after, 
after Frank asked me. And he asked you to come back the following year. And then, of course, you finished second at the Nürburgring one year later. Yeah. I know there were a few retirements ahead of you in that race, but you, to me, that was the race where you really arrived in Formula One. Is that how you saw it? Yeah. Since that, every race I did in the Nürburgring, I was quick. Quicker than anybody. Formula Two in a DTM, you know, with a BMW. I, I was doing seven, eight seconds quicker than everybody. It's a lot. Huh? When you see the start of the race, we arrived in the long thread before the paddock and they saw me arriving. And nobody behind said, what happened? And suddenly, boom, to all the car arrived. So I was so happy for that because it's, for me, the, the track... Uh, is, uh, when somebody asks me what, what is your best track in the world, I always say the, the old, old Nürburgring because it was really a challenge to be quick there. And after you'd finished second there in 1975, did the Formula One paddock wake up and offer you drives? Were, did, were there any opportunities elsewhere? No, I don't remember. I, for me, I was uh, stay with Frank. And when arrived the proposition of Guy to drive, to test the car in Paul Ricard, at the end of 75, I say yes to him because he, he asked me, uh, he texts me like that, come. I say, no, I don't want because Jean-Pierre Beltoise has the car. There is only one car. What can you do? I come back from Japan. I say, I'm tired. So he said, no, no, you must come. And, uh, and uh, he offered me to drive the car. But, uh, if not, I will stay with, with Frank. Uh, why, why not? I have no problem about that. In 75, I, I rest every weekend. So I was quick enough. I, I drove the, uh, avec, uh, with Arturo the Alfa Romeo prototype. I was in Formula 2 with uh, the Martini. And I was in Formula 1 with Frank. So I raced since March to October every weekend. It was really busy. So I was, I think I was, uh, nobody can bat, beat me. I was too much training, too much training. <laughs> and because you'd arrived late to being a racing driver, all of that mileage, I guess, helped you in your development. Well, I'm sure, yes, I, I agree with you. He helped me a lot, but you know, if I was starting, if I was, if, if I was doing Formula One 20 years old, I never seen Formula One because I, I have too, not enough, uh, I was too young in my, in my uh, thinking, you know. When you have 31 years with, with a wife, maybe if you don't after, you must think differently your life. In 20, when I was 20, uh, well, I was everywhere, you know, problem, night, day, uh, so I was a bad, bad boy when I was 20 years old. I'm not working at school. My parents were upset. And anyway, Jabouille helped me a lot. What is the worst thing you got up to at school, Jacques? One day I go back to my, my home where my, my parents were there. I opened the door. My, my father came and said, paf, paf. I said, Papa, what, why? And he showed me a letter with a, with a check. And with the, the director of the school said, we send you the check because we not see, we have not seen your, your son from two months. <laughs> and and, where, and where, had the, where had their son been if you hadn't been at school? Uh, <laughs> I have a good life. My parents were fantastic. They let me go on my, uh, to find my, uh, my way. That's, that's very important. There's, my father said, you, you still have uh, the JIT and the, we see in France the home to sleep and to, to eat. But if you ask me money, you go out, there is a door at home, you go to work. I say, yes, Papa, I go work. I never work. So anyway. <laughs> <laughs> this episode is made possible by PwC. 
When unprecedented times are all the time, it's time to start walking the talk. Leaders like you turn to PwC to see and stay ahead. Upskill your workforce, use intelligent automation, and transform big ideas into breakthrough outcomes. Explore the human-led, tech-powered solutions that help you thrive. It's all part of The New Equation. Learn more at thenewequation.com. This is the smell of a warm three-day-old egg salad sandwich in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag with new Fabuloso lemon scent. Hefty, hefty, hefty! <sighs> smell the difference? When life gives you stinky, get Hefty Ultra Strong with new Fabuloso Lemon Scent. It smells like clean, freshly picked lemons. So no matter what's inside your trash, you can stop the stink and smell the lemon. So, end of 75, Jacques. How did the opportunity with Guy Ligier come about? You had driven with him at Le Mans in 1973, so you knew Guy. Was his Formula One team set up around you? Was that his plan? Guy told me there is only one driver in France who don't call me to drive the car is you. So he called me and asked me, I come back from Japan. I was winning on the Suzuka with the Formula 2. When he asked me to go, I said, no, Guy, I don't, I don't want to, to say, oh, you must come because you, you, you have a good season and you are in good form. So I want to see you on the car because Jean-Pierre Beltoise was not driving a lot the last year. So uh, I want to miss, he was, a, comment, how you say, a track now. I mean, uh, he decided already that we, I, will, I will be the driver. So Jean-Pierre Gilbert was out. And did you feel guilty about not staying with Frank? No, 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 really not because Guy was a French team. So for my English, it was much better to stay with Guy than to be with Frank. So first, and, and also they pay me. I don't tell you the price, but it was... Uh, 20,000 euros in 1976, think about Frank and everybody say, well, Miss Frank, you know, Frank is my friend and he's still my friend in anything because he gives me the, my first chance to be in Formula One. So I respect this uh, choice of him. Uh, I was uh, not happy when he had this bad accident you know, in Paul Ricard. For Frank, it was terrible. Frank tells a funny story about the M4 motorway in the UK. You were driving with him from Heathrow to the Williams factory at Didcot, so it's your second stint with the team. And there's a long left-hand turn off the motorway on the M4. And Frank claims that you did it flat in a road car, flat out. I think it's junction 12. That's normal. Is that normal? Okay. <laughs> so, so I think you were both fast drivers on the road. I'm on the road, I was maybe faster than in Formula One. <laughs> <laughs> But look, so Jacques, back to Ligier, you go and do the Formula One thing with Guy. You're a one-car team. How was the team received in France by the media? Did you have a lot of support? Yes. We have, he's coming first, in 71, I won the first race in Sweden. 
So he was the first victory for a French team with a French car. So, but the, the best visibility was after 79 when I won the first Grand Prix, you know, in Argentina. And we come back in France. Every people think, ah, there is a French team with a French driver. And, and, and they start uh, maniac, many people everywhere on the road. No, I was, I was so happy with that, you know, because. I think every time that if when I spoke with you, for example, and these people watching this interview, and if there is two or three was going to see a Grand Prix, I, I will be very happy with that. You know what I mean? To convince people to Formula One is a fantastic sport and come to see us on the track. It's dangerous, but it's fantastic. Well, look, you mentioned 79. As you say, you win the first two races that year, the JS11 Ligier, beautiful car. Did you think at that point you had a real chance of winning the world championship in 79? Yes, it's evidently because the car was so quick. I have a, a teammate like uh, Patrick Depay was a quicker guy too. And we stayed together. Huh? It was a little bit quicker one day. I was the other day, but we are very quick. So the, the team will be grow with us easily. Patrick has an accident. And I'll tell you something about the two first rest. When we we test the car in uh, Paul Ricard, we are immediately flat on the fast corner and the car was fantastic. But in the long corner, long straight, we touch like that, we boom, rebound, rebound. Why? And I spoke with Jabouille about that. He said, you must change, say to Ducarouche to change the bodywork below the car, you know, the swing. Gérard said no. Like, evidently, if I say something, he said no anyway. He said, he don't change nothing, you know. So, <laughs> no. And we asked to the guy at the factory to make two fly below the car, to make two in aluminum, because I knew that in uh, Argentina and Brazil, you have a very fast corner. And if, if you are not fast enough, you cannot be good. So, when you test the car the Thursday in uh, In Argentina, the Lotus was a little bit quicker than us. And I said to, the, to Gérard when we have a meeting, Gérard, we, I, I bring with me uh, two different uh, configurations of the wing. Ah, you are crazy, what is, what is this? We do that, it's uh, say, okay. Me, I will try it. And the day after, we are one second quicker than everybody. I say, well, you see, merci, thank you, Jabouille. And, and so we go back, you know. What did Mr. Ducarouge say? Uh, he was upset, but uh, after two winning, two win, he, he must be upset, but he, I don't care. And the problem was the car was a little bit too... The weight of the car is a little bit important. So we do the same configuration of, of wing, but in plastic or something like that. And the was was moving like that. It was flexing. The wing was flexing because it was plastic. The car started to rebound. So I said, fuck, why was that? And we stopped, we watch, and whoop, it was in the good position. Good position, so it's still uh, four months we have a problem with that. Right. And that is why you lost the world championship, while you were sorting out that flexi wing. Uh, exactly. Alors, I, I don't know if I will, if I will uh, champion, but I will, if I have no accident or nothing uh, bad, I will be world champion, me or Patrick, huh, because he was quick also. But we have a, soon we start, Guilliger destroys the bodywork. One day, say, I had enough, may I do another one. And my first race with the new bodywork in uh, Monza, I was nearly to win this race. Uh, I was catching the Ferrari. 
And I have a problem with my gearbox, so I stopped. But the car started to be quick, but it was to get Frank uh, have the new car with a fantastic... Uh, I was watching the car like that. C'est to Gérard. Come on and see what it's... Uh, okay, Gérard is very intelligent, clear, clear, we know, but he has... Uh, when I say that, you can say yes, he's not no. C'est fuck you, me. I want to work. No, 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 no. It's my job. And we lost... And that race, the race that you mentioned at Monza is where Jody Schechter clinched the world championship, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Which was your best season for Ligier? You, we've talked about 79, two wins, but also 1981 was another very good season for you. Yeah, I, yeah 81 was fantastic. And the day, the, what happened in 81? We have a new regulation. We asked to have the car. Eight centimeters below to, to, no, no, how you can, with a skirt, you know, we have the downforce very important. If you leave the car at eight centimeters, you have less downforce. So the car are less dangerous. So all the team use two springs for the shock absorber, the big one and the little one. The little one was this putting the car soon you have, you stop the car whoop, jump. So pass under the, the truck. I ask, I remember, with Gérard, c'est why don't you, because he said, it's forbidden by the regulation, but every team has it. So we lost Guilligier. I call Guilligier, Gérard, say, but what, Guilligier, it's okay, I will take care. He goes to the, to buy some spring, put on the car, and say, we find the solution, we send you the spring. I say, okay, good. But the only thing was, Guilligier was 95 kilos and me 54. So the 30 kilos different was the car was always like that. <laughs> Alors, it's funny when, when, when uh, the story is funny, but it's the truth. So simple that that's it. We lost the championship for shit, shit, shit. You know, for two spring, and the car was quick enough. You think the 81 car was quick enough to win the world championship? Yes, I'm sure of that. Yes. You know, he missed the two or three first, first race of the season. We have not using the car on the good position, so it was difficult to go very fast, but Try, huh? I, I go, go fast sometimes. If we can start the season with the two spring, I'm sure we, we are maybe not be closer again. Because I, I was finished in Las Vegas. I was very close from the first place, but uh, unfortunately, Patrick uh, També was my teammate, had an accident. Normally, he, ask, he, he, he must do stop after 15 laps, and the Michelin will try. What happened with the tires, yeah, for Jacques? They say, stop Jacques or don't stop it. And Guilligé don't want to stop me to change tires and, and I go. And you go backwards. Yeah, exactly. You had a mathematical chance of winning the world championship still at that final race, didn't you? Yes, absolutely. But ask to Jabouille, uh, I, I jumped to the, out of the car after each fatigue and say, what are you doing? Would you want to say, I don't want anything. Take care of my car. I'm going to play golf or fishing. I, I, I never take care of your car. I say, okay, if you want, I take another one. Because every people was behind me. Say, if I stay 10, uh, two hours in the circuit, every people say, Jack, Lord, you think Jack, Jack is sick. Uh, he wants to stop with that and he go fishing or play golf. Voilà. And I lost the championship, but we are not ready yet, unfortunately. It's fascinating to hear you talk in such detail about the cars. And, and when you think about it, Jack, the rate of development in Formula One during your career 
was unbelievable. I looked at the pole position time at Brands Hatch in the year that you started, 1974, and then compared it to the year that you finished your last race in 1986. And the pole time was 15 seconds faster in 86. How, well, how, how difficult was it for you, the driver, to keep up with that rate of development? Did you have to change your driving style? No, I don't think so. No, really. When you have a new car at the start of the season, you, you test it before. You say this one is better, this is better in fast corner. You have more, uh, well, the engine is a little bit, but the, I think the most important thing was the track change, was the, the, the tarmac and everything was new. The car, the tires was much better than 75, so with, with Goodyear or Michelin or Bridgestone, I don't remember, the Pirelli also. The car was really quick because the tires was much quicker. You remember, we have a very wide tires at this time, but you see every corner we are sliding. Every corner, fast corner, we are sliding like that. But I think the Formula was quicker and quicker because the mechanics, the engine, and also all the, the other things, the, the computer, the processing, you know, to work on the car was much, much better. We, we have the possibility to know exactly with the... I don't remember the name. We, we know when you arrive, you have uh, 30% at the front, 70 at the back. Uh, we can change it a little bit. So we have many information for, coming from the car. We have not in 75. 75, you are, we are on the paddock in, uh, in Nürburgring. The car was on the grass. It was the, the truck of Frank. We, we are uh, eating on the truck, you know, quickly, uh, speaking there. And, and the, my car was on the grass. And now you see, you have a motorhome. Uh, it cost uh, three times or four times the price of a season of Formula One is in the 80s. So it's incredible. that's a change. And Formula One to follow, and it's quicker and quicker. Is what I'm, I miss in Formula One for me today. It's not the danger because we love, we know it's dangerous, but all the track, you know, you, you go to Spa. Every people said to me, Spa is a fantastic track. I say no. Everywhere was flat, so how we can do the difference? Are you saying the cars have too much grip now? Is that what you're saying? Uh, yeah, exactly. And it was not really interesting. If I was a Formula One manager, uh, I would ask to the team to don't speak uh, to the driver during the rest to give information because uh, you must go a little bit quicker. But me, when I was driving, I was a little bit quicker every lap. I was quick, 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 because if not, we are not, uh, we cannot win the rest. Today is a strategy, but I don't like the strategy because she's, the strategy is made by the by engineer, and engineer is not driving my car. So I, I won't decide what I am doing. For me, the, today, I'm sure I will not drive Formula One. Not because I'm not able to do it, but because I'm not able to work with people like that. I cannot say, people said to me, you must do that, you must do that. Is that you were unique? No, I, 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 I think that, but not so dramatically. As I mean, okay, everything changed. Huh? The life changed, you have the computer, you have VR. It was impossible for me and you to speak in 75 like that. But Jacques, does the racing driver in you not want to at least have a go in a current car just to see what they're like? experience that downforce the car today for, I, I was driving the formula one of alonso 15 years 10 years ago in paul ricard 
he was the best gift that somebody gave me for, for my accident. I was so happy to, to see the competitivity of the car. You know, the palette to drive, you, you, you push, you brakes, he was stopping the car. Every time when you want, you turn, he's turning, you... The technology was fantastic. And you know, like every day, we, we like to be in fast corner the quickest as possible. So today, the car are quick everywhere. And you, it's really a challenge. But you see, when I drove this car, I was so happy. You can't believe I was like a new jack, you know. I was so happy. I did 30 laps in Polacar. And I will ask, can I go to sleep? Because I was tired and go back tomorrow. I will be quicker again. No, it was fantastic. How competitive were you in the car? Just Because you'd been retired for, what, 20 years by then? I was quick enough. Everybody was surprised. You know, I start, and like in, I go two, three laps, very, not slow, but move slowly to, to, to see what happened with the gearbox. They stopped me and said, go to see the engineer upstairs. Say, well, why? Maybe I made a mistake, I don't care. I said, Jacques, you want to, to have broken the engine? I said, no. Alors, if you want to work, you can go to 18,000 revs immediately. I said, ah, thank you. And the day, the year, boom, boom. My, my friend was there. I said, something happened. It's crazy. No, I was so, not easy, but you know, to drive in Paul Ricard, it was easy for me because I knew I cannot go out to have a bad accident in Paul Ricard. They can do it. But not, I don't do that in Manicourt and on other track, never. Paul Ricard was perfect for me. I was not flat in the fast corner. I have no visibility. I put two cones and I drove immediately on the cone and it was okay. It was a good fun. This episode is made possible by PwC. When unprecedented times are all the time, it's time to start walking the talk. Leaders like you turn to PwC to see and stay ahead. Upskill your workforce, use intelligent automation, and transform big ideas into breakthrough outcomes. Explore the human-led, tech-powered solutions that help you thrive. It's all part of The New Equation. Learn more at thenewequation.com. Jacques, taking it back to your own career, which cars did you enjoy the most? The ones in the 70s with a screaming Matra V12? Or was it the ground effect cars? Or was it the turbo cars of the mid-80s? Which did you enjoy the most? Well, uh, I think the, the, thing, the, the best thing was uh, not the engine, but only the wing car. The car, you can go 200, 310 kilometers in sign, Polaric car, easy. I love the downforce. It was really a change, a lot of change. My son arrived at the same. What year are we talking about? 80. 79, 80. 79. Oh, so it's the ground effect. The ground effect cars are the yeah, one. ground effect. Yeah, yeah. For me, it was, uh, it was fantastic. I love it. Was that sort of 79 JS11? Was that the best car you ever drove? Except the... The Renault de Alonso, <laughs> 10 years ago. But if not, I'm sorry. Jacques, talking of some of those Ligiers, what about the JS5 of 1976? Uh, we called it the teapot, didn't we? Yeah. What was that like to drive? Certainly looks spectacular. It looks spectacular, but really changed nothing on my life. I, I don't remember if it's... Maybe it was a bit, a little bit uh, worrying me when there is a lot of wind, you know, inside. The wind arriving with the big cheminée like that, but 
I think the cheminée it was a good thing for the press and for the the publicity, but uh, it was not good for racing. While you were with Ligier, how did the team change? You went from a one-car team to a two-car team, and then you started to get lots of French money supporting you. Why couldn't you produce a championship-winning car? We are working on the way. It was not the good way. I mean, we are not enough uh, strict. I told you before, we decided Monday, we have a meeting at the factory in Vichy to, to decide what we are doing for the next race, uh, the speed, the uh, gearbox, everything. And Monday, I was leaving uh, Vichy to go to Manicourt at five or six o'clock in the afternoon after five hours of, work, of talking with the engineer. And I arrived Saturday to test in Polaricar and all that we do, I say, where is it? Ah, but you know, we are going to the desk of Guy and we are drinking uh, Polaricar and the engineer was a little bit speaking early when he decides something, say, yeah, you must do it like that. And they changed because Guy would like, want to change, but he's not an engineer, but he was the boss. So they, they, they are, very often I say to my engineer, say, please say to Guy what you tell me five minutes ago. And the engineer was like that. Uh, watch him, watch Guy and say what you said before. <laughs> That's the problem of the team. Did you feel that you were the French Ferrari? <sighs> were there many similarities between what you went through at Ligier and someone like Arnoux or Pironi went through at, at Ferrari in terms of the politics? No, I think the, the team, are, how you say, French team, I mean, it, Italian, it worked a little bit the same, you know, is a Latin. Well, the work ethic was the same, yeah, between the, the French and the Italian way of working is the same. Exactly. And Guy, you must remember also that every people think Guy was really rich, have a lot of money, but it was not the case. We have not enough money. Every year we say, we, are, we need, for example, to two million, and the sponsor say, okay, Guy and the engineer, with 180, it will be enough for you. I say, yes, it's okay, because if, if you have not this money, you, you close the factory. So you know that the mentality, French mentality. If you have more money than the president of uh, the sponsorship, ah, it's not good. You, you know what I mean? They think we are enough intelligent to work with uh, less money. No. In racing, if you have not the money, you cannot win. It's finished. It was a little bit like that in 80, 75, 70. You can finish your race like me in numbering with a little bit of chance. But today, if you have no money and not uh, all the things you need to uh, win, win tonight and everything, you cannot win a race. It's impossible. You must work. And the people who are in front are people who have the most money to spend for the rest. Mercedes, Red Bull, Alpine, Renault un peu, but Red Bull certainly. Clearly, you were very comfortable at Ligier, but I believe you, were give, you had offers to drive for McLaren. Why didn't you move, Jacques? Tell me why you didn't move. In 71, when I was 31, after the Teddy Mayer called me and said, Jacques, maybe we can drive our car. And when I say I, I am 31 years old, he said, Jacques, you are too old for Formula One. I said, OK, I will go another place. <laughs> because when I start to race with uh, Frank, I was sponsoring, you have Marlboro, was uh, give me a lot, a lot of money, uh, 10,000 francs maximum. McLaren was with uh, 
Ma mal barre tout, donc, les ennemis, ok. C'est non, you are too old, c'est ok. I will go to another place. It was not difficult for me. But it was true. It was the truth. I was too, already too old for Formula One. Well, aged 43 at Brands Hatch in 1986, you had that horrific accident at the start. How do you reflect on what happened then? First, I always think the most dangerous part of Formula One is the start. I was always thinking that in my head since long time. So it's much dangerous to start with a 26 car all together at 300 kilometers. And also it was my 176 Grand Prix. And every people was a picture with 176 Grand Prix. Say, Fuck you. Say, I don't care. And I have, a, I have a bad weekend. I have a little accrochage with Keke Rosberg. My car uh, was on, on fire the day after. All the weekend was not bad, but I don't feel it at all. I have a friend who told me at the start, uh, Jacques, what you say? I think, say, I don't go very, very far. I don't feel this race because I upset about the 176 Grand Prix. Was not, it was not important for me. But all my weekends, people they say that. And I started have this shit accident because... Mansell was donc Mrs. Cal to the stay on the, on the track. Every people derrière was like that. Boots the wall. There is a banderole. The banderole goes up. Johansson was there. Me, I saw the banderole. We are 170 kilometers. The banderole will go behind us. But uh, Johansson told me, I, I was thinking it was a car coming for me. So he do, he do uh, big like that touch me and go direct, direct on the wall. Voilà. But of this accident, I remember one thing, say, I open my eyes, take out my helmet and say, oh, I'm very happy because I'm, I am alive. I'm alive. So maybe I have, a, I have my legs in front of me like that. I say, maybe I will go on a chair like Frank or something like that. But it was a fantastic experience. Bad, but not bad because to some Anyway, I, I will find the solution to stop Formula One. Uh, that was the case, the case I stopped there because of this accident. But this accident, like many things arrive in your life, make me stronger. As first time I go to the hospital, first time I stay in re-education, first time I go with a wheelchair, all that, you, you think the life was different after that because of a bad, bad accident. You, you need to be dead. Ask to Grosjean what he was thinking on his car. I was nearly the case to say, oh, je vais revoir mes enfants et ma femme. Voilà, c'était, I will see again my wife and my children. Sorry, I say in France. But it was a shit accident. The Nigel won the rest because there is another start. He changed off his car. He won the and he sent me at the hospital a nice golf club with a bag and with a little word. Jacques, j'espère, I hope we play together soon. Nigel sent you that in the hospital. That's a nice message, isn't it? Fantastic, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. You said that during that weekend at Bransatch, 176 races didn't mean anything to you. You were equaling Graham Hill's then record for the number of starts. But now, when you look back, are you very proud that you started 176 races? Not especially. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. It's, it's good because you, you, you are on the book, the 176. For me, It was a bad weekend for me. Jacques, it was a very dangerous era that you raced in. Many of your colleagues were killed. How did you come to terms with the dangers? 
when I said I, I don't love the dangerous, dangerous means you must be very careful everywhere, think about a right set, behind left, right, behind, before, front. All your sons must work together. And, and when you, you drive and you know, you can watch in your mirror, you can watch your front tires, your rear tires, you, you can do braking, accelerating, and on the wheel, the other on the gearbox. If you do that well, you say, ah, pas mal, Jack. Today, you are in a good shape. It's very important. How did the accidents of, let's say, Nicky Lauda in 76, you were in that race and actually very quick at the Nürburgring that year. How about the, the, the accident of Gilles Villeneuve or Didier Peroni, your teammate? How did they affect you? Did you ever think of stopping Formula One as a result of that? No, never, never. The only thing is when you have a friends, we are all friends, have a bad accident, you go back home and say, the day after you are in the factory, I say, I must this, I must this, I must control this, this. You are, it gives you more uh, thinking about, about your car, about your racing, because you say, I must be better, I must to find the solution. Why, why, why? Nikki has an accident, Gilles has a bad accident, no visibility, Pironi, no visibility. Loda, he was fire saving by people, but I remember he was in 76. The, the, he come back to racing at Monza. In Monza, I do the pole position because of the So I was very proud. And I, I always think, I love Nikki, and I, I always thinking, remember in 76, Nikki Loda in Monza. I have no memory about that. It's strange because he was, uh, he was there with the burn face and everything. Mm. And, and the bandages. And, I, I never mm. go. Yes, I never go to see what happened. Was, no, I, I still my my position, I mean, but I, I'm afraid to say that, but why I don't remember, because I think I make out of my thing, you know, my thinking. But Nicky was incredible. Peterson, Monza, he was dead. I was uh, going Sunday night to the country and I go back to Paris in uh, quickly, not on the good fate, but on the right, you know, it's forbidden to drive. And I was there going very fast. And I was stopped by the police. I was 200 kilometers. And this is what I'm doing. I say, I'm sorry, but I, I just want to learn that one of my best friends was dead. So I'm a little bit crazy, but I'm very sorry. I say, okay, okay, go. The, the police let you go. When, when it happened, accident comes out, you believe that you must be more careful again. Careful about what I don't know, but I try to think, to don't have an accident like that, what can I do? What can I do, uh, Gilles? Every, every driver thinks about that, I mean, but if you are afraid, you cannot rest. Welcome to a rain-lashed, absolutely soaking wet Ile Notre-Dame circuit by Montreal. Lafitte is almost home. Certainly not dry, but almost home. There's the checkered flag. There's the cheery wave from Jacques Lafitte. It's Jacques Lafitte's race as he goes round on his victory lap. If I was to ask you which of your six wins was your best, would you agree if I said Canada 81 in the rain, yes. the most dangerous condition? Yes, and I, I tell you why. Because when I was having for Frank in Austria in 74, with 74, it was raining when uh, Brambilla won the race. We st they stopped the race before the end. Me, 
I have a car with four shit tires because Frank had no money. And I was 14, no chance to have any point. So I stopped. I stopped because there is the rest. I love it after. It was I say I would like to the rest who's on board. And I, I stopped. Frank said, why you stop? Say, because I had enough. Say, it's too dangerous. Say, I, I don't want to drive for nothing. Well, stay in the car. I said, fuck you. And, and I go out. He said, you never. It's finished to drive for me. I said, I don't care. And I go. I have a contract with Elf. He asked to Tyrell to, to engage me the, 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 the year after. And when Tyrell... Frank said to him, Jack, stop because, uh, why is Jack stop? Because he, he was afraid that I said, no contract, it's finished. And I said, okay, I finish. I go, I, I go to holidays with one of my friends. And uh, three days after, there is a, phone, a call from Frank, asked me to uh, call him. Bon, Jack, I think this will be good if you come to Zandvoort. I said, no, no, Frank. And I think, je con, I'm stupid. It's good for me to go to Zandvoort. Uh, only, only one, one thing, Frank. Could you say excuse me? Uh, bon, alors je dis, si je dis pas, if you don't say excuse me, I don't come. Oh, c'est bon. I'm, I'm sorry, Jacques. C'est un agosaire. Et, and why? I was so proud in 81 because I can say to Ken, hey Ken, you see where I, how I'm driving on the wet? Remember 75? He remember very well. Wow, how fascinating. Jacques, one last Frank story. U.S. Grand Prix 1975, you didn't start the race. There's a story behind that. Can you tell us about it? I have a problem with one eye and I, after the warm-up lap. And I said to my wife, Bernadette, I have no liquid to put on my eyes. And Michel Leclerc, a French driver, was there. And he, has a, he said to my wife, go to my uh, bag. There is uh, something to clean the eyes, okay? She goes, but I don't ask anything. She comes back with a bottle like that. It was a product to clean the visor. <laughs> so you needed eye drops and she gave you a cleaning Yes, <laughs> yes. So very strong. Ow. Very, very strong. So, and it was very nice because in what is going, so there is behind the stand, there is a woman, sell, who give apple to the people who are there. And when she saw that, there is a, Robinet for water. Uh, she said, okay, stay there. I a lot of water. And to, suddenly, I was blind with this eyes. It's, it's coming slowly, slowly, slowly. Dark. First year in Formula One. The chance to, to be in Formula One. And I have only one eye to drive. I, I was so disappointed. So how long did it take for the sight in your right eye to come back? Quickly. Three days after for the station. No, it was now maybe the problem I have with this eye, maybe it's because that. Do, do you have a problem with the right eye now? Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's for that, but it's so, so far. We talked about the differences between the English and the French teams and the mentality. Damon Hill told me recently that lunch for an English team was a couple of biscuits and a cup of tea. Whereas for the French, it was a full spread of lunch with wine and meats and cheese. <laughs> I was going to say, is, is that an accurate description of the differences yes. between the two? Yes, for, for, for the motorhome, yes. But I remember when, when with Frank, I was drinking tea, but I don't like to put milk on the tea. So the tea was very dark very strong and I don't know but when you put milk 
it is less uh, less strong, you know. And me, I was thinking, I was always as that, because it's the only thing we can drink on the motorhome, he was drink tea. Because I told you another story. I have many friends, I have two or three friends coming at each conference. Frank told me, Jack, please, don't bring your friend in the motorhome. I said, oh, Frank, don't worry. One rest later, they are all, uh, we are all there drinking and playing cards. <laughs> and Frank, oh, no, no, I love Frank. He was a fantastic guy. And uh, anything happened with him, uh, I don't remember because I want remember only the good thing with him. And he gave me the chance to be in Formula One and he stayed in my, in my memory all my, all, my, all my long life. And would you get stuck into these big lunches and even have a glass of wine yourself? Yes. One bottle. No, no, no. Uh, no, it's, no. <laughs> Jacques, it's been wonderful to talk to you. Thank you for your time. Who on the current grid is most like Jacques Lafitte? Kimi Raikkonen. Uh, he, he loves to drink. He loves to to fest. To fest. And uh, Hamilton, uh, I think, is a fantastic guy. They are all fantastic. They are all driving very well. You can see Russell when he was driving the Mercedes. He was in front of everybody. So you, when you are Bottas or Hamilton, you cannot say I'm the best. You must say I have the best car. Because if you give this car to any other driver, not all, but a lot of them will be in front. Do you think Pierre Gasly and Esteban Ocon are fast enough to be world champion in the right car? In the right car, I think, I think but the problem for them is to find, to have the right car. It must be difficult because Gasly is quick enough. Huh? You see what he did with his car today is fantastic. Ocon has a, not a so good car, so it was a little bit more difficult for him, but he has a teammate like Alonso who was very strong talented but he sometimes he's in front so no I think we have a good chance more chance with Leclerc I think because he's with Ferrari and Gassi with his car what I said at the beginning the French driver is coming 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 up and up so there is in Formula 2 Formula 3 very talented what is astonished me the most is the The, the age of the young driver driving in Formula One. You remember, at 18 years old, you drive Formula One like people has 10 years uh, experience. And like uh, Verstappen, when you arrive in Formula One, I say, bravo, because he was really attacking everywhere, in front, behind, dehors, everywhere, like we do. We stop to the pit, Graham Hill, or tous ces gens-là. We start for one race, 300 kilometers, one set of tires, full tank. And we must go quicker and quicker. If you want to catch the front, the man in front of you, you don't need to stop to, to somebody tell you what you are doing. You are doing to be quicker than him. That's all. It was the only way to racing at this time. And I think it was for me much better, but I am anyway in admiration for all these young drivers and this bloody car so quick. But, but I love that, but uh, I'm not sure. Driving is the, is the way. And uh, after driving is another day, is another thing. But I think they are too to focus on on the way. Alors, maybe now is a, if you are not like that, you cannot be quick enough. Maybe that, but that, I cannot tell you because I am not driving anymore. Voilà. So much insight, and it's been a joy to speak to you. Thank you very much. Thank you, and I, I'm, I'm very sorry to speak this bad English because it's difficult to tell you exactly what I, I think really because I, I don't I don't find the words so sometimes. <laughs> <laughs>
We understand, Jacques. Thank you. Merci. Thank you very much. It was very nice to see you. Bye-bye. I really love chatting to Jacques. He's such an engaging character and he gave us so many stories and so much insight into F1 during the 70s and 80s. He was also very honest. I mean, how many drivers would admit that they wished they'd worked harder during their career? His thoughts on Ligier and Williams were fascinating, but the conversation was littered with little details that gave us fresh insight into that era of the sport. The pace of Didier Peroni, the competitive edge of Keke Rosberg, how he learnt the Nürburgring Nordschleife alongside Henri Pescarolo ahead of his debut there, even Nigel Mansell sending him a message in hospital after his horrible accident at Brands Hatch in 1986. I could go on and on. Jack, many thanks for your time. It was great to talk to you and your English was fine. Certainly a lot better than my French. And thanks too to Margot for your help in setting up this chat. Before we move on, please remember to send in any stories or thoughts you have about Jacques. Did you see him race? Were you at Brands Hatch in 86 or even Montreal in 81? Let me know and remember, I'll read out the best ones next week. Send them to me at Tom Clarkson F1 or use the hashtag F1BeyondTheGrid. Which brings me on to what you sent in about Ivan Capelli after last week's show. There's a lot of love for Ivan out there, and so there should be. He pulled up trees in that Leighton House march. S. Ferrara got in touch to say this. I had the chance to work for Mr. Capelli for almost two years in his next career, and let me tell you that he is an honest, kind, and awesome human being. It was a pleasure to meet him and to work with him. Thanks for your message, and I'm not surprised to hear this. Ivan's honesty came across in our chat, didn't it? He's just a great guy. And Mad Dim had this to say. All Latinos have great stories to tell. And what a story with Ivan, and what a sincere person. The stories of him and Ken Tyrrell were diamonds. Well, weren't they, Mad Dim? Ivan only did two races for Tyrrell in 1985, and he came away with some Uncle Ken gold from each of them. What a pity Ken's no longer around. Can you imagine a podcast with him? And Blade 3 said this. How fantastic to finally hear from Ivan after all this time. Great stories and insight into the politics and machinations of Formula One teams past. Probably equally relevant when looking around the current grid. Thanks for the memories. That's a lovely message, Blade 3. Thank you. And I'm glad you enjoyed the show. And finally, let's end with this from Derek. What a great podcast. I could have listened to Ivan Capelli all day. Best of all was when he was laughing so much, he couldn't continue with his stories. He's got a very infectious laugh, hasn't he, Derek? In fact, he's got a very infectious personality. We all love Ivan. Well, we'll leave it there. And I'm sorry if I haven't read out your message. Thank you to everyone who sent the messages in. And I have read them all. Well, that's it for another week. I hope you enjoyed hearing from Jacques Lafitte and remember to send in your thoughts and stories on him. As ever, I'll be back next week with another great guest from the world of Formula One. So see you then. Beyond the Grid is produced by F1 in association with Audioboom. Until next time, keep it flat out.